Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Not Just a Lawyer podcast. I'm Sarah Avery of Sarah Avery Legal Practice and today we'll have a fairly short and sweet episode and as you may have guessed from the title, we're talking about wills and enduring powers of attorney. I'm recording this podcast on the traditional lands of the Ngunnawal, Ngunnawal and Ngambri people, and I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And sovereignty was never ceded. As always, I'm not giving you legal advice. I'm sharing legal information. But if you do want legal advice, I can help refer you to a lawyer who works in this area of law. You can get in touch with me at www.sarahaverylegalpractice.com.au. I'm more than willing to help you with some names of people who do this for a living who can give you targeted legal advice. Today, it's just a little bit of information. Let's start at the very beginning, the very best place to start, as you know, if you've watched The Sound of Music. What is a will? Well, it's a document that is legally binding and it tells people what you would like done with your assets after you die. It needs to be properly witnessed and that's why you need to go see a lawyer to find out what all that means. It needs to deal with a whole lot of different things, but primarily... When you get a will drafted, you need to be thinking of a few things to help give your lawyer instructions. The lawyer will take care of all of the clauses that make it possible for an executor to look after your estate and comply with your wishes. What does all that mean though? Basically, a will is a document where you appoint someone called an executor that executor is kind of the person who acts, basically they stand in your shoes after you pass away and they look at the will and they try to act exactly in accordance with your wishes as set out in the will. So when you draft a will, the first thing you need to think of is who should be your executor. Now, sometimes people use family, friends, a lawyer, or an external body like the public trustee. Do you need to appoint an executor who knows anything about the law? Do they have to be a business person? Do they have to be well across finances? Well, get some legal advice on this. Here's some information for you. Very often, the executor of your will will actually engage a law firm to do all the nitty-gritty parts of administering your will for you. So you don't have to choose someone who you think is well-versed in finances and transactions and the like, but it does need to be someone you trust and someone you think will get the advice that they need if they don't know what to do. For a lot of people, even if they do know what to do, if they're someone's executor, it makes sense to essentially outsource that work to a law firm. Most firms charge a very reasonable and modest fee for probate and you can talk to firms to see what they charge and it will take the burden off 
the executor. And generally speaking, the costs of administering the, the estate come out of the estate itself. So when you choose an executor, you're not putting them under financial distress, but you might be putting them under personal distress, particularly if there was someone really close to you. So you want to think about whether your loved one is going to be in an emotionally capable state of being your executor. That's why sometimes you might choose a trusted friend um, or a professional to be your executor. Most people in my experience, which is fairly limited, I will say, tend to go with friends or family, but you really should talk to a lawyer to see what's the best thing for you to do. So as I've said, I'm aiming to give you legal information just to make the process of wills and enduring powers of attorney a little bit more transparent for people who don't know much about them. But you really need to get legal advice on this. Everything I tell you is general. It's based on my limited experience in this area and it's not legal advice. So bearing all that in mind, We've talked about an executor. We know roughly what a will is, but what are some other things that you might need to think about for your will? Well, you want to think about who you want to give your estate to. These people are called beneficiaries because they benefit under your will. So in some cases, it's going to be really easy you might be married, so you want your estate to go to your spouse. You might have kids, so you might like to divide it fairly among your kids. You might want to have a donation to a charity that you really like. You can be very specific in your will about particular items going to particular people, or you can be very general as long as the will deals with your whole estate. And that's something that you will want to talk to your lawyer about. Now, there are some nitty gritty factors about what actually forms part of your estate. I'm not going to go into those in this podcast because I can't give you legal advice. But if you do go see a lawyer, you will be wanting to make sure that you tell them about every real property that you own. That that means real estate. So any premises, residential property, and the like that you have an interest in, whether that is on your own or with a group of people. You'll want to tell your lawyer about any businesses you might run. You'll want to tell your lawyer about anything that you might own with other people. For example, I've dealt with wills where people were involved in horse racing syndicates. So they had an interest in a horse, but it didn't just belong to them. It belonged to a lot of other people who were not in their family. These are not limiting examples of what you should tell your lawyer about. These are just some interesting examples that I've come across. And you also need to talk to your lawyer about superannuation. They will give you advice about how superannuation fits into this whole issue of wills and your estate. Now, I mentioned the word probate a while ago, and I realize now that's not a word that everyone's heard of. So I said that you could get a lawyer to look after probate and doing all the administrative things to do with the will. I just want to make it clear, probate basically means getting the court to sign off on the will to say, yep, rubber stamp, this will is fine, you can go ahead and act in accordance with it and distribute the assets under the will 
to the beneficiaries. Now, that's a very rough and ready way of saying it. It is more than a rubber stamp because sometimes wills do get disputed. So I say rubber stamp. I'm being a little bit flippant there. It's beyond the scope of this podcast episode to talk about wills being disputed. But just know that can happen and that's something that you should ask your lawyer about when you go to talk to them about your will. You really need to tell them about anyone who might be dependent on you or who might have a claim. Now, when we talk about a claim, does someone maybe have a moral right to parts of your estate? Your lawyer can advise you on that, but you might be thinking, okay, do I have a former spouse? Uh, Do I have children from whom I am estranged? Have I been divorced, but that's actually been dealt with just fine under my family law proceedings? These are the sorts of things you'll want to talk to your lawyer about. And definitely don't panic if any of these things apply to you. Get some advice and deal with it. That's why it's really important to see a lawyer. Now, I mentioned executors. I've told you what probate means. Now, I also spoke about you'll be wanting to think about who you want the beneficiaries under your will to be. So as I've said, there are many ways to deal with the assets of your estate and the people who get those assets are called your beneficiaries. And you can be as specific or non-specific in terms of how you divide up your estate. So you need to name the beneficiaries, but you don't need to go chapter and verse unless you want to into precisely what everyone gets. For example, maybe you have a son and a daughter um, and your spouse has passed away. So you want to leave your whole estate to your son and daughter. Then you'd give instructions to your lawyer, something like, I want 50% of my estate to go to my son and you'd name them, and I want 50% of my estate to go to my daughter, and then your lawyer would put in your daughter's name. So you don't need to work it out and go, "Uh, I want my motorbike to go to my son, and that's roughly equal to the value of this book collection I have, so that's going to my daughter. Basically, that's something that your executor can work out after you pass away. If you want to be really specific and set it out yourself, you can, but often because you might sell things during your lifetime or your circumstances might change, you might find it easier to be a little bit less specific and just divide things by percentages. Again, that's something that you really need to have a chat to your lawyer about and get some legal advice. Now, if you are a parent and you have dependent children, another key thing that you will be wanting to think about is who will the guardian of my children or child be if both my spouse and I pass away? That's something that is really challenging to think about. It will require having a good, frank discussion and you will very likely be well served by talking to the people who you are thinking of making the guardian or guardians of your children to make sure that that is something that they are up for. So again, talk to your lawyer about this, but these are the sorts of things that you might want to be thinking about before you actually go in and see them. But most lawyers are really switched on and they will help you go through essentially almost like a mental checklist 
to help you address all of these things. So I would prefer that you go and seek legal advice sooner rather than later and get a will made rather than thinking that you need to wait and have all these ducks in a row before you see a lawyer. Because if you don't have a will and you pass away tomorrow, everything will be more difficult for your loved ones to deal with because you will be in a situation called intestacy and it is much harder to then administer your estate. Essentially, you'll be placing a burden on your family and other loved ones, which you can easily avoid by having a will. And I've probably already mentioned, but most firms are very moderately priced when you're talking about wills. If you just need a simple will where you have a pretty basic estate like most people have, then you'll find the pricing to be modest. If you have a more complicated situation, like you own a business or you have someone that you want to provide for in your will, but perhaps they have a disability or they otherwise need some form of protection, a lawyer can put together a will that has something in it called a testamentary trust. And that means that the bits of the estate that go to them get administered in a way that is more protective of them rather than giving the gift to them outright and letting them have free reign over it. So wills that deal with businesses or testamentary trusts are going to be more expensive, but in terms of the peace of mind that they will provide to you and the ease that they will let your loved ones move forward with, they're well worth it. Of course, your loved ones are not going to be happy. They'll be very sad, but it just takes one thing off their plate. So I think we've dealt with wills pretty well. As I've said, this is just legal information. I'm trying to make this issue more accessible for you, but please go and see a lawyer to get your will made if you don't have one. If you have got a will already, it's really sensible to be thinking every two to three years about whether your will is still up to date. Because they're very modestly priced, you can pretty easily get a new will made every couple of years to reflect your changing circumstances. So I'll leave it there for wills. And now we will move on to enduring powers of attorney. In some states and territories, an enduring power of attorney is in one document in other states and territories, there might be a couple of different documents that do the same thing and you need both of them. So for example, in the ACT, which is where I live, an enduring power of attorney can deal with your financial issues, but it can also deal with your day-to-day -day living and medical treatment if you lose capacity to make your own decisions. Whereas in New South Wales, you might have an enduring power of attorney, which gives your attorney authority to make financial type decisions on your behalf if you lose capacity. But you also need an enduring guardianship, which gives your guardian the ability to make sort of day-to-day -day living and medical decisions on your behalf if you lose capacity. I'm just going to talk about an enduring power of attorney in the sense that it exists in the Australian Capital Territory. That is, it is a document that lets your attorney make financial day-to-day -day living and medical decisions. I've already set out roughly what an enduring power of attorney is, but I'll go into a little bit more detail. Again, this is the kind of document that it's really good to have a lawyer 
set up for you. It's not complicated and I would argue that most wills are not complicated either but it is the sort of thing that you want the peace of mind of knowing that it's right. So an enduring power of attorney it lets someone act on your behalf stand in your shoes and deal with institutions that you usually deal with in terms of your finances and also your day-to-day living arrangements and your medical treatment. So the kinds of people or institutions with whom your attorneys might be interacting um, would be banks, electricity providers, they might be your doctors, they might be a nursing home, they might be chemists. So basically people that are in your life where you might be engaging in some major financial transactions if you had your um, mental capacity there. Um, Also, if you had the capacity to make medical decisions, you would be making them by talking to your doctors and taking advice. Whereas if you lose the capacity to make those kind of decisions, your attorney or attorneys, because you can have more than one, will be the ones talking to your doctor, taking medical advice and making decisions on your behalf. So... As you can probably gather, it's really important when you're choosing an attorney or attorneys, and I'll talk about that in a second, it's really important that you choose people you trust. And it's really important that you choose people who think like you do, or if they don't think the same way as you, you will want to have had some pretty frank discussions with them about what your wishes are. So they need to be someone that you trust to make decisions in your best interests and you want them to try and make the kind of decisions you would want to make for yourself if you had the capacity to do so. I can't go into chapter and verse today on what it means to lose capacity. I have spoken about capacity in previous episodes of the podcast though and at the end of this episode, I will point you to a couple of past episodes that might be relevant. So let's just say, though, you can't make decisions for yourself for whatever reason. So your attorney needs to be someone you trust to engage in financial transactions that benefit you. They need to be someone that you trust to make important medical decisions for you and someone that you trust to make decisions about where you live, what kind of activities you might do and things like that. There are a lot of guidelines for attorneys and there are a lot of rules that they face and need to follow and the chief rule is that they can't give themselves a benefit under your power of attorney unless that power of attorney, which is a written document, specifically authorises it. So they have to act in your best interests. They don't just have control over your money or whatever and, you know, spend it on themselves. That's, That's the opposite of what they're supposed to be doing. Now, why might you need an enduring power of attorney? Okay, so let's think about the word enduring This is what makes it different from an ordinary power of attorney. An ordinary power of attorney gives someone authority to do things on your behalf. Uh, It's usually just in relation to finances and it's usually for a specified period of time, though not always. But the really important thing is that it just operates while you have 
your faculties about you. You still have capacity. So maybe you're going to work overseas, like pretend it's not COVID pandemic times. You're going to work overseas, but say you have some financial things that you need dealt with back in Australia. So you might make your mum your power of attorney. She can deal with banks on your behalf. She can talk to your mobile telephone provider and make sure your bills are paid or, you know, cut off your electricity for you or change providers, things like that. She has the form, the document that says, I'm the power of attorney, I can do these things. Now, an enduring power of attorney has that key, key word, enduring. It endures when you lack the capacity to make decisions on your behalf. In fact, most of these are drafted so that they only come into effect when you lose capacity. But why do you need them? Well, it's a matter of convenience so that people can help you uh, when you lose capacity by doing all those day-to-day things like dealing with your bank, your electricity provider, all of the examples that I've already given. But also it gives your attorney or attorneys the authority to make medical decisions on your behalf, to talk to doctors about what kind of treatment you would like or you would have liked if you were able to make that decision. If you know that you're someone who doesn't want, for example, say you didn't want to be resuscitated, well, you could appoint an attorney who knows that? And they could tell the doctor, please put on a do not resuscitate order for my loved one. Whereas if you didn't have that enduring power of attorney, it might be difficult for the doctor to know who they should take instructions from. They probably wouldn't put that do not resuscitate order on because it might mean that they don't give you life-saving treatment but it might be something that you would have really wanted to be there. Say you are already ill and you know that you're in a fragile state and you would rather go peacefully than making sure that someone is able to make decisions on your behalf when you can't make them is really important and it probably would give you quite a lot of peace of mind and hopefully your loved ones as well, so that they're not confused about what they can and can't do, and to help the doctors and nurses give you the kind of care that you would like. Now, that might sound a bit grim, but it is a reality. We all die sometime. Sad, I know, but it's really good to be organized with these sorts of things, so that if you pass away, your family has less running around and uncertainty to do because you have a will and if you're unwell and you lose your capacity to make decisions for yourself your loved ones and family also have some certainty and your doctors and nurses are able to give you the care that you would have asked for yourself so basically that is why it is a good idea to have a will and an enduring power of attorney now as i've said You've got to talk to a lawyer about these things. They will be able to give you advice on your individual circumstances because what is right for me is not necessarily right for you. Now, I did promise to talk about an attorney versus attorneys. You can have more than one attorney at a time. You might appoint the person jointly 
or severally or jointly and severally. What does that mean? Well, say I've got two brothers. I might want them both to be my attorneys and I might want them to have to act together all the time. So I'd appoint them jointly. I might have two brothers and I'm happy for them to make decisions on their own. They don't have to join up as a pair and both agree. So I might appoint them severally, right? Like you sever something or there's several people, but severally in this, in this instance is really talking about, yes, severing something. So there's two of them, they don't have to act together. Or I might appoint them to act jointly and severally. So they can act together or they can act individually. That's fine. I don't mind. I might just want one person to make the decision so that there's certainty about when a decision is made, it's made. Nobody has to agree. I trust that one person. And in that case, I'll appoint them as my attorney. I won't appoint other people. It's really good to have thoughts of people who can act as a backup. So in terms of your executor in a will or your attorney or attorneys in an enduring power of attorney, you might want some people in mind if your first executor choice can't do it for whatever reason and same for your attorney or attorneys. And your lawyer can help you think of who that might be and what the best way to appoint them would be. These are nitty gritty things that your lawyer will help you get right but it's really good if you start thinking about who these people might be. Now, with the enduring power of attorney, it's important to talk to the people who you're going to appoint. And one of the really practical reasons why it's important not to just surprise them is because they actually have to sign the form and accept the appointment. So you don't want to spring it on them without any chat. Otherwise, maybe they don't want to sign it. So you've got to have a good talk with them. Episode five of season two of this podcast talks about the ACT capacity toolkit. It's a toolkit to help deal with the issue of whether someone has capacity or not. It might provide you with some information about what capacity actually means and just give you a little bit of background on that. And also, I have done a previous episode on how to choose a lawyer And if you would like to have a look at that one, that was recorded quite a while ago now. And that episode is season one, episode 46. It's called Help. How do I choose the right lawyer? As I said, I'm very happy for you to get in touch with me and I can help refer you to a few different places that can give you legal advice. And if you want to get in touch with me for that purpose, you can do so through my website, which is www.saraveryllegalpractice.com.au. One of the last things I'll say is that don't put it off. Go and look on the internet, find a lawyer, do some research, make an appointment, just get it done. It's one of those things that you will not regret doing and it will make the lives of your loved ones really a little bit less sucky at a time where they would otherwise be really, really upset. Now, because we've been talking about such a somber topic, I'm going to finish with a joke that I really like, and it has nothing to do with wills or estates or law. Apologies in advance. If you think it's a bad joke or you've heard it before, please feel free to skip to the end. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. How many elephants can fit in a mini miner?
answer four, two in the front, two in the back. How do you know if an elephant's been in your fridge? Because there's footprints in the butter. How do you know if two elephants have been in your fridge? Obviously, because there's two sets of footprints in the butter. How do you know if three elephants have been in the fridge? Because there's three sets of footprints in the butter. How do you know if four elephants have been in your fridge? Well, how do you know? There's a mini parked out the front. See, one of my favourite jokes, an oldie but a goodie, bit of a dad joke. I am very much at peace with dad jokes and puns and the like. Thanks for putting up with my bad joke and thank you again for listening. This has been an episode of the Not Just a Lawyer podcast. I'm Sarah Avery of Sarah Avery Legal Practice. Please get legal advice about wills and estates. Please go see a lawyer about it. As I've said, this is limited. I can give general legal information only. I haven't given you any legal advice here and it would be excellent if you look after your own peace of mind and that of your loved ones by making sure that you have a will and an enduring power of attorney and if you already have one make sure that you feel they're still up to date thank you again for listening and have an excellent week